0: He ain't jumping
1: over people he, with swag. He doing it because he's really out of control.
0: <laughs> man, good morning, LL Nation. Excuse us, man. We're having some offline laughter just talking about things. Early breaking news regarding the 2020 recruit. We'll get to that shortly, but welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Today's show is entire Measure That. We are featuring and brought to you by Onora Whiskey. Go to honorawhiskey.com. It's that premium American Whiskey, honorawhiskey.com. We see the comments, questions lined up. People referring to the question we had for the show on yesterday. What's the one Notre Dame player from any era that you would like to see line up and play one more time? Poll question of the day from yesterday. Overwhelmingly, 54% of you guys voted no. The question was. If indeed the Keaton Slovis rumor is true, do you think it's a good look for Notre Dame? 54% of you guys said no. 31% of you guys said it doesn't matter. And everybody else said it was a good look regardless. So I've talked to a few people. Some people just seem to think it was us Notre Dame doing its due diligence.
1: Yeah, I understand that. You know, you're going to have to – You know, you want to take a look at everything. You don't want to leave no stone unturned when you're trying to find a quarterback to fit your team. But I I thought about it a lot yesterday, too, and I look at it like we got to get that BK taste out of our mouth. I said it a little bit yesterday, but some of that requires us letting go of some of those ideologies of somehow bringing a bunch of people in and competing for the spot is going to somehow boost the competition or level of the team. I just don't think. That applies to the quarterback position. I think that strategy comes from, like, the Romans because, you know, last man standing because all the other guys died. (laughs) Unfortunately, nobody's dying in this situation, so you just got a bunch of frustrated guys that don't know how you're judging it. You know, so I think a lot about why it doesn't work is because you got to think a lot of it how the NBA works. Mm Mm-hmm. The Lakers don't go into training camp with LeBron James and Frank Vogel first day of training camp say, all right, nobody's the starter. Everybody's got to earn their job. You know, nobody, I don't know who's going to (laughs) start. LeBron James will have that man fired by the end of the sentence, you know, but that's because it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that for the quarterback level. Like anybody we've seen successful at it, and I think if we're going to copy anything, it should be what Nick Saban has done. He's been able to have three NFL starters on his roster at the same time, been able to get all of them a, a chance to play their own season, all win championships and all go first round and they all, or, or get drafted in their own respective. And they were on the roster at the same time. Yeah. Now I don't think any of those guys are more talented than the talent that we've had come through Notre Dame. I think, Brandon is more talented than Jalen Hurts. I think I'm more talented than Tua. I think you could say Deshaun's got more talent than Mac. But we were all on the same roster at the same time, just like they were. And if anybody's taking advice from somebody, it should be a taking advice from Big saving. But the ideology of just getting a bunch of guys that are good to compete in the same room, it doesn't do anything but make everybody unprepared. I mean, you're splitting reps the whole camp. And that just doesn't make doesn't make the the boat ride well like i said it like what 2014 the only one captain jack sparrow to the ship and that's true you know you gotta have one voice in that huddle gotta have that one guy you're looking towards and it just doesn't go well when you got a bunch of guys doing the same thing
0: yeah so as i said before from the 2022 recruiting class we got some early news reports are saying that Tight end recruit Eli Raritan, Um injured his ACL playing basketball. News came down this morning. Uh, we we're trying to get some more confirmation on that, but that's the news that's been put out there earlier this morning. 2022 recruit tight end Eli Raritan. And if you were on the Lefty Lucky uh, Lucky Ducky uh, podcast Twitter page, we have been showing his highlights. Yeah. It, like, the kid was averaging 20, 24 and 9 this season. And basketball up there in Iowa, very athletic tight end, and if you can sneak an athletic tight end out of the state of Iowa, when they're known for tight ends and putting tight ends into the NFL, you know you know he's a pretty good uh pretty good recruit. So hopefully he can get to rehab. I think he's an early enrollee as well. So hopefully Matt Bates they can get him on campus and start working on him, get him rehabbing. Them. Yeah, it sucks. It'll it
1: probably be when, when you school. yeah, we definitely red shirt. It's better to happen earlier than later. Anger, earlier release so you get some good treatment. Out yeah. there with Rob at school. But 24-9, man, it's hard to say, I don't want to play. <laughs> clearly, yeah. clearly he was out there balling and just stuff that happens in sports. But we can put the rest now that he would play good with Mike McGlinchy. Mike McGlinchy would dominate this guy. Mike McGlinchey ain't tearing no. Nothing playing basketball. That's a real hooper. <laughs>
0: He's a little bit more sturdy. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, Mike McLenzie's too smooth. He ain't tearing nothing out there.
0: All right. So we want to get to some of the uh, practice comments yesterday. Braden Lindsay met with the media, Logan Diggs, George Tackett. Braden Lindsay has some very, very interesting things to say. Also, tight ends coach John McNulty met with the media. He talked about the importance of the staff trying to get across in these practices just how good this Oklahoma State defense is. So that's what they've been stressing all day long in every practice. Like, yo, this is the best defense you're going to face all year. So this is my question. Like, I don't think this is the best defense they'll face all year. I think Wisconsin overall is better. I think Wisconsin's front four, even though they don't have the 54 sacks, You know, Wisconsin, in my opinion, Wisconsin's linebackers in front seven are more dominant and faster than Oklahoma State's. So in your opinion, is this going to be the best defense that Notre Dame will face all season long?
1: I agree with you. I think that the Wisconsin defense is a better defense. I do, however, think this defense that we're playing, in particular in this bowl game, will be a bigger challenge for us offensively because we're lacking a Kyron Williams Mm. and because we're, uh, you know, we've had a lot of different changes happen on offense. Losing Kyron, yeah, every defense we're going to play is going to be more of a challenge, and I think that's more of what they're trying to get across is that, look, our main guy is not going to be there, so we need guys to step up, and this defense is going to know that as well and play a lot tougher and make it harder for us to do what we want to do. So if anything, it's a call to action to that running back room for them to step up and have a big day by committee. And we might see a star pop out or or a lead guy who we're looking forward to for that Ohio State game, taking that first carry in this game right here, considering it's the same defensive coordinator, so the same guys in that running back room are going to give them problems. But also is that it's a call to action to our receivers. More attention will go to them now that Jack can't just turn around and hand it off all the time yeah. yet until he knows what he's getting. So there's going to be some challenges and some comfortability issues when you on third down, you just can't call 23 up to the challenge. So we'll see who steps up to the play. I think it's the Michael Mayer game where he gets some chances to be open. it would be those one-on-ones that'll, you know, boost his draft stock hopefully.
0: I mean, if you look at the Big 12 championship game, the tight end, position for Baylor was very successful against this multi-front defense that likes to get out of the court after the quarterback. And even though they won't have their defensive coordinator, I still look for them to be aggressive, but they still have the same issues, which is overall speed on that defensive unit. Like they get after the quarterback. Their front reminds me of the 2012 defensive front for Notre Dame. Like there was no speed rush. But they will, like, just push the pocket, get after you guys like Kaepern, you know, coming off the edge. And then you had the big guys in the middle. So I'm not particularly worried about somebody from a speed standpoint just getting around our tackles. I am interested in seeing how Josh Lug, you know, handles himself at right tackle with that freshman all American. Yeah.
1: They're definitely going to send some different looks, especially for a ball game. You always got to prepare, be prepared for one or two more blitzes that you may not have seen. Especially uh, with the running
0: season. backs, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they're going to have some uh, – they know Kyron's out, and most likely they know with Kyron being out, the pass protection for the running backs will be challenged. Yeah. So things that we are usually used to seeing – Hopefully the fans aren't going to blame on the linemen for not picking up some of this stuff. But early on, you know, until the running backs get comfortable, it will be some protection issues, I'm assuming, considering the speed Oklahoma State defense has as well as them flying around. They're not uh, – they're experienced defense, so they know what they want to get out of certain situations. And for our running backs, and pass protection will be a bigger challenge than running because, you know, all these guys are talented. So for Jack, getting the ball out of your hand quick on third down is
0: going to be a big key in the game
1: because I don't think they're going to sit back and let us just do what we want to do either.
0: Now, early on in the season, they had to go to the quick passing game because of the struggles in the offensive line. And then as the season went on, the defenses got a little less stout. They were able to go and really get to more of a three to five, not three, but five to seven step drop. And go deeper down the field and take bigger shots. I think we'll see a mixed bag of that. I think early on, because of the pressure and because of the intensity of the game. You would expect Oklahoma State to come after Notre Dame. Blitzes and with that front seven. And I think the short passing game, I think Logan Diggs and Chris Tyree in the game at the same time is going to be very effective. Very effective. Yeah, I
1: think I think the 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 factor for us to really go after is the tight ends and the running backs on their linebackers. Yeah. That's the best matchup for us because one, we can get the ball out of our hands and space better, have a better chance and higher completion percentage, throwing it to our backs versus running a linebacker, but also to get them out of the, out of the protection. You know, we don't, if they're not comfortable protecting, let them get out of the pocket, make them run a route, throw it to them. So, You know, I'm really excited to see how the game in between the lines is played with Tommy, especially having to have a mixed bag of of different things because he can't call him O-reliable and Kyron. And just his trust in Jack to be able to, like we said, guide the ship into the dock because at this point in the season, you got to go lean on your veterans. I think this is why they got Jack for a situation like this. It's for the end of the season to be able to finish the game strong and – and not let the weight of the game fall on the shoulders of a young kid.
0: So, Brayden Lindsey, wide receiver, uh, still hasn't decided if he's coming back. He's a, he's graduated, which is uh, dope. I love to see guys coming to the program, not only perform on the field, but mature and develop off the field as well. And he was asked an interesting question about – wide receivers in early playing time in Notre Dame as a freshman. And he said he I think he said it was two series he played as a freshman that he realized he wasn't ready. To play. And he said the only person during his time in Notre Dame that he felt like from a talent standpoint that was ready to play as a freshman was Lorenzo Styles Jr. Which I thought was like wow. Now you talked about chase when he first got to notre dame and physically how he was ready to play but just talk about what it really takes as a freshman to come in and make an immediate impact at that position of wide receiver or is it like coming into brian kelly's system is one thing but stepping into like an ohio state system is one system more geared for a freshman to be able to make an impact early at that position,
1: It's really dependent on the coach. You know, Coach Kelly just was very particular about who he really wanted. Even with Will Fuller, he, you know, Will should have been starting since day one, but he just didn't give you the opportunity at that point because you know we was with TJ and we were trying to make TJ Jones the number one receiver and stuff. So, and then Davaris was there too, so we yeah. had guys ahead of them. So a lot of it I think it's just a respect for the older guys. Uh just to let those guys ride out and using the the bases of those guys of younger guys have time.
0: Yeah.
1: But I mean Alabama finds ways to play young guys first day. So it really just depends on where you can fit in that system. And then from a player's perspective, whatever you do good, just continue to do that at an early age. So if all you can do is catch. That just better be your best thing, and that'll get you on the field the fastest. I think for a guy like Chase being physically ready, Chase was from Canada. So, like, a football, uh, a natural football instinct wasn't all the way there. But from a body standpoint, you can throw him out there for a couple block plays. Like, for instance, my roommate James Wallow, who came in as a receiver from Michael Floyd school, you know, big brute hands were a little yeah suspect, but he got in the game freshman year. But it was just a block, you know what I mean. But that's how he fit, and then he ended up being in special teams, and you know, so he ended up finding his role through what he was doing good. So even though he's a receiver, he ended up being a linebacker in the league, but it just shows his flexibility of what happens in a system where, you know, sometimes you can go to a system you don't fit in but it doesn't have necessarily to necessarily do with your talents. It's just the thing that the coaching staff wants. So a lot of it just depends on the coaching staff. If you're like a Travis Hunter at Jack going to Jackson State, he's going to play everything. <laughs> I can't right. imagine. Both like, sides coach of the ball, playing, right? Yeah, like he's talented, but does he know everything about coverage or the technique? Absolutely not. Right. But Coach Prime is going to put him in at every position because of, his relationship and because he's talented. So,
0: yeah, that, that, so the that's style
1: definitely could have played just like and that's the same thing for Tyler Buckner. Tyler Buckner has no idea of the things that Jack Cone knows mentally,
0: right?
1: But if Coach Kelly was doing it the way we suggested, Tyler Buckner would be at a way better position to play an Oklahoma State now than he would be doing the things he was doing to get ready during the season.
0: So, once again, he talked about the transition of his first semester at Notre Dame off the field as well. He took 18 credit hours to make sure that he would be able to graduate early. How how difficult is that at Notre Dame? 18 hours?
1: Well, I did it by going in early. So, that was – instead of doing 18, I just came a semester earlier. But doing 18, I don't know how – but that's the thing, too. is like you can take 18 hours when you're not getting no practice
0: reps. <laughs> Man, that's a part of Go ahead.
1: That's what makes it so hard of a transition is when you don't get no practice reps, school instantly becomes the focus, and you realize, yeah, this is really hard. You know, this ain't no easy thing to go through. So when he talks about not being ready to play as a freshman, yeah, because during the whole getting ready for it, you probably took a total of five reps against guys that were threes and fours, like you at the time. So when you get in the real game, you're like, man, this is too much. (laughs) So, and then, so yeah, so your freshman year is a tough transition if you're not in that spot to play. But it's really about focusing at that very junction of your career. Just do what you're really good at. Like Brady Lindsay, I would have been like, look, you're fast. So in one-on-ones, just keep running by people, even if you don't catch it. Because they'll, they'll put you somewhere to do that, you know.
0: So let's talk about Brayden Lindsay. Matter of fact, let's listen to Brayden Lindsay a little bit, talking about the difference in the practices as they prep for the Fiesta Bowl. I'd say it's been relatively similar, just um, from, like, a overall standpoint, like, just, like, what we're doing, like, a day-to-day basis in the Goog and, like, our actual schedule. But the practice itself... I'd say uh, it's a higher percentage of like good on good, so it's been a bit more competitive uh, and I think that's, you know, kind of part of the culture that he wants to bring in and he, he always mentions enhancing. I think, you know, in direct relation to that, we've seen like our practice competitiveness, you know, rise. So it isn't just like an on off switch from practice to games. It, it really feels like we're, you know, we're playing ball. So, this is the third athlete at Notre Dame mentioned the on-off switch. The third athlete at Notre Dame has mentioned the difference in practice and the mentality of not hitting the on-off switch going into games. So, the flat starts we would see down in Miami, up in at- yeah, that.
1: There's no excuse.
0: No, There's excuse. no excuse. There's zero excuse for it. Like we expect Notre Dame to come out with their hair on fire. Seven, seven plays, seventy-five yards. End zone. Kevin Austin on a seven-yard touchdown. Seven zip. Notre Dame over Oklahoma State. Like that's what we're expecting.
1: Yeah, I'm expecting the first a first drive of the game being a touchdown because of the the focus on this particular answer <laughs> you know, they're particularly saying this is way more intense our mentality is way different yeah and now we're carrying ourselves different there is no more you know i get the monotonous of what the practice used to be because they're they're literally four reps and you don't really get a redo you just kind of move through the schedule So you really become robotic, you know, and then you're only getting four reps. And if you mess up you keep going, then the twos are getting three, three reps every time. So you're not really getting a flow. It's a lot of standing around at practice. So, you know, I definitely understand how anything different than that would be a huge difference. (laughs) So I know Marcus Freeman saw instantly what was the worst part about practice is not he made a change on those and the players noticed instantly. And that's just some of more what you want to see from your new head coach, something that can make an instant impact and not something that you're just seeing through social media.
0: Did you guys ever go good on good? And, like, what's the benefit of good on good, good for, like, LL Nation? Let them know the benefit of going good on good instead of, like, always running plays against the scout team in practice.
1: Yeah, during the the season it gets real tough because you're doing a lot against the, the scout team and, you know, you're still working on your craft throughout the week. So there's things that, you know, the DB you will practice against and watch film against is different. You know, the scout DB is not giving you the same effort that the guy on film that you're going against. So you catch yourself and get into a lazy habit of not, working on the technique that you're supposed to, to get open for that week, you know? So Mm. doing that practice after practice, you get into the game and you're seeing press and they're really pressing you and you can't get off. And everybody's like, Oh, we can't get off man coverage. Well, yeah, because scout team, they're not pressing us. You know, we're not giving enough good on good. And when we do, it's just a couple of reps at the end of practice where, you know, we're kind of tapped out. So, reversing that and starting with good on good and getting more reps at that, you get a, a better flow of rhythm for especially young kids. Now, NFL, yeah. that's more the style for practice because your your technique is at a master level if you're a pro. <laughs> for college, let them bang on each other a little more. I think we don't we shouldn't go about the same rules as like the CBA because, you know, we're kids. You know, we got a lot more energy, a lot more time to work on technique. And that requires good on good because that's – What gives you your confidence going into the game, like for a quarterback, going against the one defense, I know if I'm roasting and cooking them, I know I got a good chance on Saturday, you know. But if I'm throwing picks in practice and we're not making a big deal out of it or if I'm not converting in third down against our ones and we're just moving on, when it happens in a game, we don't react to it like it's nothing. That's what we do in practice. So that going against good one-on-one and taking it serious and making those reps count are what's going to translate into having a slow start to a fast start for this game.
0: Yeah, you look at McKinstry, defensive back, the freshman that started for Alabama, struggled early in the year into the middle of the year. But every day in practice when you're lining up against Jameson Williams and Mechie, Jameson Williams and Mechie, eventually you're going to get better yeah. because the guys that you're facing – aren't better than the two guys on your squad.
1: Yeah, there's no way Alabama goes in ever thinking that they got receivers they couldn't handle, considering their practice against the best every week. And that's kind of how Clemson was built, like a farm system or how State's built like that. But they're built like that constructively and organized. Like, they're not built in terms of guys trying to usurp the other guy every time because there's no development in that, you know, so – I kind of like the trend of what they had with Jack and Tyler Buckner being the age difference. So there's a respect of knowledge. There's a respect of experience that takes place naturally. But when you're openly in the media pitting guys against each other about who can outdo the other on a subjective decision made, it doesn't do anything for that room, especially for building uh, the camaraderie you need during a season for a quarterback room.
0: All right, we got our first super chat, bro. I ain't afraid of no goats. Thank you for the super chat. Guinness.com, J.M. Irish blessing. Bother anybody else that the end of the Irish blessing is purposely cut out of that commercial. Until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hands. I haven't seen the commercial, so link me to the commercial. If you have a link to it, put it in the chat so I can check it out. I haven't seen it, but I know the lesson that you're talking about and- um,
1: He definitely snuck on campus though to shoot that because I'm surprised nobody was putting pictures on social media of him being there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man, I guess you're right. But you know what, if it was a 30 second spot, maybe they might have like a longer version that has it in there. Because that can happen, too. Because if you see the shorter version of the commercial, say like a 30-second, 29-second, and then they might have like a 59-second that has more detail and has the full blessing in there. So uh, I'm not sure. I'm just playing, you know, from a production standpoint, just saying it might be a longer version out there. Matt, 2011 GT, thank you for the super chat. The slowest thing does have me concerned regardless of what of it. If it was for depth, you don't have to be the first guy on the phone looking for a depth guy. Stinks of BK ineptitude. Yeah,
1: that's what we talked about. Just It was the way we did it. Being the first guy, so thirsty. like It doesn't look good for a program where not only we're making a transition to something better, but we're not done with the season yet. Our focus doesn't seem like it's on the game. It seems like it's on – the transfer portal and that's not helping us as a team get better for what we got to finish the season with. Now, if this was after the game off season, the story wouldn't even be that big of a deal. Right. But if we're the first guy calling in the middle of the season for a rival quarterback after we done had a better season than him.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's like, dang, like, what you? So this twelve and one don't mean nothing. Like me doing all this doesn't mean anything. So, hopefully, it doesn't get to Tyler Buckner's desk that uh, we don't like him.
0: <laughs> like we said yesterday, it really wasn't about Keaton Slovis. Like it could have just the the fact that it comes across that Notre Dame had somebody looking at the computer screen waiting for quarterbacks to pop into the court that's what it looks like like they're looking for a quarterback and for them to be the first call is just concerning because the narrative around that quarterback room needs to change moving forward there needs to be mm-hmm. development of quarterbacks moving forward well, it starts with a good time guys
1: it starts with a commitment to the quarterback. Like we said, like teams have had great production and were committed to their guys. Even even Nick Saban committing to each one of his guys during that time when they had Mac Tua, and Jalen, they each got their time. And they yeah. got the respect and the trust. So they were able to develop. I don't think Tyler feels that he's trusted by the staff, even if they played him this year, because the way they played him. They didn't play them to develop them. They played them to get through the game, and I don't think that's what you should do with the quarterback position. Like I said, they not the Lakers aren't going into the game being like, "All right, LeBron, you yeah. and Tht are going to split minutes, and you know we're gonna see who who's better at the end of the day." You know that's a you don't do that. It's time to let's treat it like it is. It's time to treat our favorites like the favorites, and. Rock out like that. Nurture the guys that are our best players, and let's not let's not fake it. You know we're so used to having this PC way of running the team, but we yeah. should be PC in the media, but run the team like you want to win, like the Rams. They so what they drafted Jared Goff number one. They got rid of him, got uh, Matthew Stafford, and got Odell, and it's just they're gonna keep going until they want to win now. So that's part of that shifting gears and that turn not turn on and off is about winning now i think that's something marcus freeman's committed to he's changed practice to win now and that's something we should do in recruiting is win now let's win now in our recruiting i'm putting
0: you on the plate I, I saw what you did there you real smooth with it though you could have used anybody else on the Lakers roster, but you, you know, you wanted to pit a Chicago dude against an Ohio dude. <laughs> I saw what you did. You're real smooth. I what real smooth. You grabbed the Chicago dude to be the lesser of the two. I see what you did. Now listen, listen to big LeBron, up Ohio. You always trying to big up Ohio, but you didn't have to grab the Chicago dude. You could have grabbed DeAndre Jordan.
1: I was thinking like think who's handling the rock for the Lakers most of the time.
0: He could have grabbed though. He's from Kentucky. <laughs> That's a border in state. You had That's a border the state. You always, always, <laughs> always poking at the bear. Always poking at the bear. Right. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Johnny one. Good morning. Lucky lefty. What's good with it, John? Hopefully these good on good practices prepare the old line to face a defense that has 55 sacks, if the O-line is good, Indy should win. Indy should win, period. Like, this is competition. Like, if it's a good defensive line, they're going to win some battles. It's not like Notre Dame's about to go out there and just push them around. They're going to win some battles. Ultimately, we have more talent, and it's Tommy Reed's job to get them in position and get them in open space to take advantage of the lack of speed on that defense.
1: And I don't think it's a, a, a physical outmatching that we'll see versus Oklahoma State, but I do think it's like a, a cunning, like they'll swim move us on third down or get us with a okey-doke twist or something. I don't think it's something as like, oh, they're going to chase young bulldog rushers through the, through to the quarterback. It's going to be more of twist and scheme and, and, and experience on that D-line. That's going to give us some problems early, but... The good thing about us is that we we're good at adapting up front and we get stronger as we get through the game. So that O-line is 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 probably gonna be the smartest O-line that Oklahoma State defense has played. So it'll be a good battle of the mental uh in the trenches for this one.
0: Facts. William Wolf, thank you for the super chat. Cone will likely start, but how short is his leash in this game? I'm concerned the O-line might struggle a bit. I don't he's the guy. I think that decision is yeah. been made, right? You don't get to look at the game.
1: cornerbacks, then that means Cohen's definitely the guy. If yeah, we he's look the at guy. the
0: guys in the season. He's the guy. But I, I don't see. I mean, Tyler might get a series, but Jack Cohen's the guy. Especially I think Tyler end will end the game.
1: Yeah, Tyler will only get a, a series if a couple different factors, if we're up by a lot. Um, or if there's a certain part of the 10-play series that they script before the game yeah. where he gets in there. I think because Brian Kelly's left, this whole change of pace, we need a jump start offense, I think that came from Coach Kelly, which is when Tyler Butner used to get in. Yeah. Now I think Tommy having more control, he understands the, the importance of how the flow is because he played it. And that he knows that this is Jack's type of game, considering we're in a transfer portal looking for quarterbacks as we're still getting ready for a game. So, you know, I think this is Jack's game to lose. I think the only way Tyler gets in is if Jack just completely bombs or if we're bombing them.
0: So, Yeah, and then you have to play the game. I'm very interested in how Marcus Freeman will adapt to the flow of the game, right? Because you have your game plan. But if it becomes a defensive battle early on, then, you know, does he go to Tommy and say, okay, look, let's, let's be careful. I'm pretty confident that our defense is going to keep them at bay. You know, let's just make sure we get some points and get out front. Might maybe not be as aggressive as we intended coming into the game. But let's score, get out in front, then play to our defense and win this game.
1: Yeah, I think being – if it's a defensive game, I think Marcus Freeman will feel more comfortable than a shootout. Yeah. I think in yeah. a shootout, he will feel a lot more frantic because that's on him. He's like, man, I can't stop these guys. I got to worry about us keep scoring. I don't know who's right. going to keep doing it. Right. So I do think if it's a defensive game, this will fit just what Marcus Freeman wants, and then he can lean on his coaching staff, especially Tommy, to bring up their their end of the bargain. So. I hope it's a defensive game. Well, I hope we have good defense out there for Marcus Freeman. Get Oklahoma State a little rattled, keep them to a low scoring point total so we can finish the season right with a with an offensive uh, victory, uh, especially missing Kyron. I think it'll give us a lot of boost of motivation and inspiration and aspiration with all the, all the aspirations uh, to get into the next season against a team like Ohio State that, we got it ready offensively. You know, this is an offensive game. I think defense will be there and be fine. Marcus Green's gonna be working all offseason. You see it in recruiting. So defense will be optimal for that game. But offensively, we need to show dominance in this game. That's gonna give us some confidence moving forward for that first game.
0: Absolutely. So got to you just a little bit late. Our question of the day. Want to see you guys talk about it in the chat. What? because we're talking about measure that we're going to measure each positional group and how they measure up whether or not they're elite or good or what's the promise going into 2022 for that positional group and even in the fiesta boat which positional group has the most promise to be dominant in 2022 which positional group has the most promise to be dominant in 2022, I'm gonna start with this, bro. Because I'm gonna jump out on the limb. I really think this offensive line is gonna be dominant next year, bro. Mm. I really do. I really do. Expect if Jared Patterson comes back, and what we're hearing, if Harry Heastin is involved in some way, form, or fashion. I don't care if it's just watching practice and being a consultant. I really think this offensive line in 2022 when they walk into the horseshoe it, it could shock a lot of people. Uh, far I think Jared depart- Patterson
1: mm-hmm. coming back is tied to Harry Easton. You know, I think mm-hmm. if we get one, we get the other. Okay. Because that would be the only reason i come back. I mean, you was already All-American this year, uh, watch list. You know, you were top center in the nation anyway. So, the only reason why I'm coming back is for Harry Heastan guidance. So, I think if we get one, we get the other. I do think they'll be the the foundation like they were a couple years ago in 2015, 16, yeah. 14 years. They'll be the foundation piece because of the the what we've got put together with the experience and the young talent. That's how you get a great, solid offensive line is with superstar young guys and experienced older guys. And so the babies can learn from a guy like Jerry Patterson. It's so, sort of supposed to happen – with Blake Fisher and Jared Patterson this year, but it got, it got disrupted. But he was able to influence some of the younger guys to step up as well that we wasn't really expecting. So I do believe offense line will be a uh, the solid part of our our offense moving forward next year. But I'm going out on limits saying the receivers are going to make a turn, mm. led by Styles. Yeah, and I think Styles' talent is going to drive the room to be more competitive, which is going to make everybody uh, take a step up. I think he's going to push the room to take that step up and help Tyler out. Because I think Tyler can really throw. And we'll see more of that with trust coming from Tommy to let him do that instead of working on his track speed and and running back, running through the holes and stuff. So I'm expecting them to make the difference. Because if we make the difference there with a solid O-line, yeah. We'll see a totally different Notre Dame program offensively
0: moving forward. Michael Johnson chimes in. O-line. Thanks, Mike. Corey. What's up, D-line?
1: I think linebackers will have more than D. Yeah, I think linebackers.
0: Jay says the O-line there. and linebackers will be dominant next year. Based upon your film and you watching the film, how early does Jalen Snead play?
1: See, he I'm him because league. I say he definitely he plays. plays. Yeah, he definitely plays, but I'm thinking about Prince College, because I thought Prince Collie should have played when he first left oh, on oh. campus too. Yeah. But, you know, it's all about how he, if he can get it, I want him to play the first snap, obviously. You know, I think his talent requires him to be out there in some aspect. Maybe he's not the the Kyle Hamilton center of the defense yet but he definitely deserves some snaps to fly around and, and get his feet wet, for sure. I think defense, you got to get out there first day.
0: Thanks for the super chat, Matt. 2011 GT, if that O-line dominates, I think the run, running backs and wide receivers have a chance to step up. That running yeah, back... O-line room,
1: get better. Everybody get better. Dude.
0: Hey, because of the senior season of Jadarian Price... That line, if if he's number four on your roster in that that room, if he's your fourth running back, that running back room is looking pretty good.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. Definitely looking good, especially the fact that you got a guy that can damn near start right now. Man. And when you talk about changing the program, you need guys that
0: can play right now. Screen pop.
1: Dayum, price is one of those.
0: Alan Kreins from up there in Iowa says that's simple. The tight end group, the tight end group is pretty deep.
1: That's it's not great. a group that's jumping out because they already out.
0: No, they're, yeah, they already out. That's, that's yeah, true. we're
1: producing tight ends every every other week.
0: <laughs> that group is always, yeah, that group is always dominant. Dominant. Do you I, I, remember I, a time when that's... we didn't
1: have a tight end? I don't remember a time when we didn't have a tight no. end.
0: The only program that turns out more tight ends. And I won't even say from a quantity standpoint, but from a quality standpoint, once they get to the NFL, Iowa tight ends are better in the NFL.
1: But But that's because we get the we get the guys that can go as a freshman to the league. We got guys pre-made, pre-rolled, already ready yeah, to go.
0: Yeah.
1: Iowa and George Kittle. George Kittle didn't look like George Kittle freshman year than he did senior year. So Iowa's always been great at developing talent, especially talent you haven't heard of.
0: Let's see. <laughs> well, Malik is closer than me. So maybe he can, you know, get in the car and get on the road. I, for one, have an assignment on that day. I actually will be engineering the Fiesta Bowl back in the studio for ESPN Radio. So, no, I won't be at the Fiesta Bowl.
1: I got I got tickets for somebody they want to go.
0: So holler at
1: your boy after <laughs> the show.
0: You should do a giveaway.
1: Oh, yeah, let's do a giveaway, you know. You do a giveaway.
0: Uh, Connect it to a Nora Whiskey.
1: How about that? You send me a, a picture of your, what do you say? Send me a picture of your receipt for a Nora Whiskey. We'll do a mm-hmm. raffle on the show.
0: And Absolutely. We'll the
1: tickets away.
0: Absolutely. Right now, breaking news. The Bowl ticket giveaway right here on Lucky Lefty Podcast. All you have to do is go to honorawhiskey.com, purchase some premium American whiskey. And you know what? Tweet it or put it on the Instagram. You can put it at Lucky Lefty Podcast, at Lucky Lefty Pod on instagram or twitter or you can send it to overtime malik on instagram and Malik's at malik zaire eight on twitter yep there you go send the picture of the receipt we'll have a draw pick out the name and the winner and uh let's say let's do it friday
1: let's do it friday do
0: it friday we're well, yeah, trying yeah. to see who wins the tickets to the Fiesta Bowl. Brought to you by Anora Whiskey, anorahwhiskey.com. That's yep. like
1: radio stuff. That's radio yeah. stuff right there.
0: That's how that's how we do it. Giveaways. <laughs> Let's see.
1: Be a the 100th caller. You can meet Marcus Freeman on the sideline.
0: <laughs> you know what? I have another one because I'm going to go away from everybody else. Everybody else is st- st- stating the obvious. Already okay. oh, said the old line. I'm going to go to defensive backs because Cam Hart, Cam, Cam wait a Hart. Minute, become, minute, wait, a minute,
1: wait a minute.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Listen to me. Just listen. Wait a me. minute. <laughs> listen to me. Just listen to me. Listen to me. All right. Cam Hart becomes that true lockdown number one. All right. Your guy. Okay. Your guy. Okay. No, Xavier Watts.
1: I like These Youngsters
0: play. at safety, very solid. <laughs> very solid. Very guy. solid. <laughs> very is a Cal Hamilton. Yeah. Now they get more they didn't play that position. Now they get a full off season mm. with Mike Mickens and Chris O'Leary to learn the position. Well, you're solid. That's three spots out of the four. You're solid. Now, yeah. either one of the redshirt freshmen step up. Or Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracey has Clarence to get Lewis. a whole lot better.
1: <laughs> Clarence Lewis got to go.
0: That's why I'm like, out, a real good we, we, we can't be that dude. We need him to be <laughs> real mean. Get a mean streak. and just cover better. Especially now. What is
1: now? What is jumping out? Refer like are we saying like DBU jump out? Or we saying like,
0: oh, we're
1: we're
0: we're leading the defensive turnovers, interceptions. Oh, okay. I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm
1: gonna hold you to it. That's a that's a great. If we do that, we win
0: championship. It's boring to just be like O line, D line. No, no, no. Cam Hart can be a lockdown corner. I agree. Facts. Ramon Henderson, Xavier Watts, really get a full offseason under their belts with Chris O'Leary and Mike Mickens at the safety position. You love the range. You love the speed. You've already seen both of them show range, speed. Xavier Watts shows you he'll come down and tackle. Xavier Watts shows you, yeah. So you're straight. That's three or four. All we We have to fill one spot, one spot, out of the entire roster? I mean, we had Jaden Mickens coming in, right? Yeah. Bulldog. Bulldog. You, uh, Morrison. Bulldog. Morrison might be the most underrated recruit of the 2022
1: he's class. Underrated. He's underrated, because he got the most technique and the most at all.
0: Your audio just dropped. I don't know why you're talking Did
1: you hear me right here?
0: Yeah, you good.
1: I said he has the most technique and instinct out of all of the D's. Yeah. I like yeah. Morrison, yeah. I yeah. like Morrison. He may not be the most, like, I can see why he's not the five-star that some of these other guys are, but yeah. from a football player, he's a football player.
0: Yeah. yeah. I like Morrison. Is he a football player? That reminds me of Kavari. Like, Kavari was a football player.
1: Yeah, Kavari wasn't like, I wouldn't be thinking, oh, Kavari's the shut-down corner. Right thing. Kavar is a foot. You just put him out there; he'll just find his way to the football. He'll make a play. Yep. Like, and that's kind of where the that's really where football is heading. And I think Marcus Freeman's recruiting of the defense shows it. Is that he's bringing in athletes. He's not really bringing in position players. He's bringing in athletes that are football players that you can close your eyes and feel good if you throw eleven of those guys on the field. Yeah, they'll just figure out their spots and play and play hard and fast. And I think that's why where the game is going, uh, you know, you see Keon Entringer, you see a guy like Jalen Sneed, you see a guy like Xavier Watts, guys that can play everything except DN. You know, and yeah. I think that's what you want to have on defense.
0: Yeah, so shout out to everybody in the chat. You're right. I just that was a leap, I had to take the leap, right. Because we're talking about this program mm. taking the next step, we're talking about enhancements. That DB group taking a step up to elite status—that's an enhancement. Because we haven't had that since like the nineties.
1: Yeah, seriously. You know, like we haven't had dominant DBs.
0: Your volume went back down.
1: Throw it. We haven't had that in a while.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I'm excited. I want to watch DBs in the Fiesta Bowl. I really yeah. do. I want to see these. They'll be
1: challenging against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State gonna throw that thing out out there with bubbles and make them tackle. And
0: yeah, they're gonna. He's going Spencer Sanders is also gonna gift you about three interceptions too.
1: Let me see what them hands looking like, Cam. We're
0: gonna see what the hands look like. Let's see. I think we got all the super chats. Matt Anderson, here we go. This is perfect. Uh, he was responding to Michael Rice in the chat. I don't understand. What Pine supposedly did wrong to never play again? After what the Toledo game was it? I forget which game he basically came in and won the game for Notre Dame. Uh, that was the Wisconsin game. He came in, led the drive, threw the touchdown pass to Kevin Austin, won the game. He's the people's champ, dude. I keep telling you, but, Mike, that's, he, but, but he said,
1: but he said the problem in the same sentence. He forgets, you know. He forgets because Drew Pond isn't a guy to remember at that spot. It's and, and if we're asking what did he do wrong, that's the problem.
0: Yeah.
1: We need to be asking, why is he not out there? Because he's such a force. You see what I'm saying? We doing something, it's not about like, look, we're beyond doing things wrong to get there. You know, we're already, we know who we are as a team. We know how we can win the games, we can win. But we need guys that's gonna do the right thing. We need the the difference maker that's gonna do the right thing, beat the Bama, beat the Georgia, beat the Ohio State. If we didn't care about that, Drew Pine could start
0: for us. Facts. <laughs> like, you yeah, know what? Pine. And that that's enhancements. That's another enhancement. Like screen poppers. Like we talk about it all the time. The program needs more screen poppers. Drew Pine is not a screen popper. Very solid player. Huh. Very good. If you surround yeah. him, you surround him with supreme talent. He can, can win, win game. games. He can win you football games, absolutely. Tyler Buckner hit campus, and Tyler Buckner is a—he's a, he's a screen. He more, but he's more of a screen popper than Drew Pine. Now, if you just yeah. watch the practice, Drew Pine is probably leading the offense. Knows the offense better, absolutely. But Tyler Buckner gets on the field, and something happens. Something just happens. And so when you see that as a coach, you're like, man, we have to get him on the field. Yes. Because he makes things happen. It doesn't necessarily mean he's a better quarterback at that particular time, but most coaches want people on the field that can make plays and can make things happen. They'll take the high risk over the lower floor. I mean, over the lower sill.
1: Because it comes down to winning. And, yeah. and, and producing and producing wins. And we know that, you know, you're gonna get us down to the 20, but third down and eight. It ain't enough play calls in the plays, you know, to for me to be like, I'm gonna get you in the perfect situation. Sometimes you gotta get us in the perfect situation.
0: Yeah.
1: And can Drew Pine do that consistently against teams that, that we consider matter for the championship? I don't know. But you know, can he do it with the situation going right? Yeah, he did against Wisconsin, you know, and then he played well enough to stem our defense to to blow it out of the water and he came away with a good victory. But if Drew Power was starting at the first snap, would that be the final result of the game? We don't know. We never got a chance to see him a full game.
0: Yeah, Michael Rice says, Screen poppers, I get it, but I don't think Jack Cohn was a screen popper either. Uh, we told, man, we totally agree with that. Tyler also threw some terrible picks. Jack Cone threw some terrible picks (laughs) that that, that cost us the Cincinnati game, first drive. So all I'm telling you is that coaches watch and they look for special qualities in players. Anytime they see a player step on the field and they see them make plays, they're like, yo, man, we can deal with everything else. But we know if we get him on the field, it's the same thing at the wide receiver position, right? That's like you saw that as soon as Will Fuller got on campus. Like you saw the speed, he was a screen popper, and it's like, yo, we got to get this dude on the field. I understand we got the bars. I understand we got TJ, but we got to find a way to get this dude on the field and get him the ball. Screens, something, jets, something. And that's how they felt about Tyler Butler. like, yo, we have to get this dude on the field. We have to. You can tell,
1: you can tell early on, you know, early on, they didn't really
0: have a plan for
1: Tyler, but because of his talent, they needed him out there. And they just told you what they felt the full capability of Jack was. They're like, all right, there's things Jack can't do that Buckner can do. Buckner, we can't keep him off the field because we will be missing it so much from Jack that we will be doing us a disservice. So they believe in Tyler enough to provide something to the offense but it wasn't enough to keep Jack, or it wasn't enough to keep him off the field because Jack was playing so well. So I do think, and we got to think too, that Jack Cones pick I believe was a Kelly decision, which I don't think we'll see many more Jack Cones transferring moving forward with the Freeman decision.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to, Gavin Wright, I see you in the chat. I'm searching for the question. I mean, if you can type it up again, I'll definitely get to it from Malik. I see some comments you made, but I didn't see a question form. So, I'm sorry I missed it. I think we got all the super chats. That's like, uh, what are you, like, you going to tell Jalen Smith? Like, Jalen Smith didn't know all the calls. Like he can't yeah, like, <H2> Jalen should have played
1: play his freshman year. It's but it, we had Danny Spawn at
0: the time, and you know,
1: but look, Drew Pine. P-
0: when you have a dude like that, you a talent like that, you got to man, you gotta let this dude play. You gotta, play you gotta, play you play. gotta let this dude play. play. That was the same I thing. I do it, do. it took three games for them to see in practice, like, yo, okay, we gotta get Kyle Hamilton on the field. You just got to
1: get him on yeah. the field. And you got to think, too, like, Drew Pond has been there for a minute. So what was he not doing this whole time before Tyler Buckner got here to not be in in, in position to be playing as a backup or as a starter? He was there before Jack Cohn, He was there before Tyler Buckner. And they got both of those guys and still continue moving over. him. So he couldn't have been doing that much of a great job. Uh, to even hold that spot so I think he has his his benefits. I think yeah. he has a lot of potential um sometimes you go to the place that just is not the right time for you um I think he can get a lot out of a, a different school I think he'll go and win some games at a, a Vanderbilt or a, well yeah it just depends you know it's just a guy that if you put him around the right situation he can be
0: productive but when you look at that situation, is there any other group that you think can be dominant in 2022 besides the obvious?
1: Yeah, I'm really waiting on the receivers to be dominant. I'm, I'm more, I'm more hoping and expecting them to be dominant. Uh, I think they got the potential. I got, they have always had talent in the group. It's just who's going to bring it out. Is it Dale? Is it another receiver coach? Is it Tommy's play calling? Is it the, The quarterback feed no more. Which one is it going to be?
0: All right, here we go. Two-part question. I got you, Gavin Wright. Thanks for uh, chiming in and watching. Happy holidays, fellas. Malik, I was really sad how everything went for you in Notre Dame. I had high hopes you were going to change the narrative a long time ago. Please help our retention of talent and the acquisition of new young talent. We have let too many teams go out without reaching their peak. And Tommy needs to let you help with the quarterbacks. We're trying to get yeah, you a job, 100%. bro. We're trying to get I you I 100 percent
1: would be a I'll be a great quarterback coach for for uh Notre Dame, especially because I played with Tommy, so I already know like kind of what they're trying to do. And I coach quarterbacks now, so I know I'm gonna make them sweet. <laughs> And a lot of it, too, like I said, I would do the recruiting. I think Tommy's just strictly focused on coming up with game plans and mix and matching all this talent that we have and putting out stuff where we can be not only productive on the scoreboard, but efficient. Yeah, I think we have enough calls and, and football knowledge to put all our guys that make plays on the field each game and find a way to be productive. I think what takes away from that is the amount of recruiting that goes into it. And and that's a lot. It can take away because then you get biased and you get jaded and a bunch of stuff happens. So I think having a guy that can handle those things while you focus on the game plan can help the frustration of feeling like we're desperate for quarterbacks. Well, maybe we're not. You know, maybe it is just an honest thing.
0: But yeah,
1: I think more organization and support for that room will benefit the team.
0: Uh, let's see. Johnny won. I think Drew Pond is a little better than you guys think. We didn't say he was bad. I don't think either one of us said it's bad. They asked the question. All we're saying is coaches tend to go with people that have higher ceilings than the state. And guy.
1: he's not a Trace McSorley. Like, no way.
0: <laughs> and he McSorley. looked like Chase
1: McSorley. And Trace McSorley.
0: Trace <laughs> McSorley failed in big games for Penn yeah. State. He failed in big games. He had Ohio State at home twice. And lost both games, both big mm-hmm. games. So it's like, and he had tons of talent around him. Now, and he, that's the game, difference
1: too. Yeah, to
0: And you, it's a lot of excuses that you can put out there for why Trace McSorley failed in big games at Penn State. All I'm saying is, and all we've been trying to say is, we have not said that Tyler Buckner is a better quarterback. What we're saying is, coaches look at the two and say Tyler Buckner has a higher ceiling. And we can win a national championship with one. And if we just want to win 10, 11 games, then we can go with Drew Pine. Because Drew Pine is not winning you a national championship. Can and that's Tyler the whole Buckner,
1: point we're making it, Yeah.
0: Can Tyler Buckner win you one? We don't know. We don't know. But he has a higher ceiling than Drew Pine.
1: And that's and that's and that's all we're saying
0: that's if all we're you saying.
1: acknowledge that if you acknowledge that Pond isn't an elite ceiling that's the whole point we're yeah. looking for guys that got the elite ceiling because we know that's going to be the factor to, to give us championships at where college football is at this point you don't see any guy that doesn't have an elite ceiling winning the championship right now
0: yeah and you talk about even if the defense players. is with the, the quarterback room on yesterday's show and how it needs to be yeah. elevated. You talked about that.
1: Yeah, and it's just like even with a great – look at Georgia. With the superstar defense they have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the quarterback not being elite shows what happens in the games that you need to be elite. Yep. And he played all right.
0: Yep.
1: He played all right. So yep. that's the performance you can expect from Drew. He'll probably play all right. Yep. But it won't be enough. <laughs> that's the, yeah. that's the point. That's why we never said Drew was bad. It's not enough.
0: <laughs> never. We don't think negatively of Drew. We respect Drew. You know. And but Drew versus
1: Bryce Young. Drew versus Bryce Young. I'm just not going with Drew. You know what I mean? And you yeah. and we laughing, but that's but that's the difference. You know, people saying we want Drew, but do you really? I want Drew through the season, but do I want Drew against Georgia or Alabama? Do I think Tyler can do it? I think if anything, if I had to close my eyes in the vacuum and I'm just going on talent, I would trust a Tyler Buckner with the unknown more than I would trust a guy that I
0: know what I would get from with Drew. Man, that's crazy. (laughs) what's it they're talking about what's it i told you a long time ago he's the people's champ bro he people want to see drew punt look we have to get to a point where we recognize well i'll just say it like this and you can answer it bro did alabama lose to clemson the program or did alabama lose to elite quarterbacks
1: Oh, that game they lost to an elite quarterback. Trevor Lawrence was playing his tail off. Them passes, them back shoulder passes. T Higgins and them boys.
0: I mean, like, you talking about eighteen? We go to sixteen. Deshaun put up and back to back years. He put up a thousand, a thousand total yards.
1: That's strictly quarterback.
0: That's like, strictly. true. Clemson got two elite quarterbacks to beat Alabama. Period. Cause they weren't
1: played good those games, it wasn't like Alabama. I mean, Trevor Lawrence that year was a little different, but all overall, the
0: dominant as well. Yeah, but so overall, the defense the played only dominant that year. Yeah,
1: yeah, but those defenses played really well, yeah. too. Yeah. And they still, I mean, and you're thinking about, like, for instance, Bryce Young made Georgia's defense look regular. But the problem is, Georgia's defense is not regular. So that's like a miss. It's like you'll fool yourself if you think there's other quarterbacks out there like Bryce Young just putting on performances against Georgia like that.
0: Oh, facts.
1: So that's the difference between why we need elite quarterbacks is because an elite quarterback can make a Georgia defense look like how Bryce Young did it. What a non-elite quarterback, we're in a tough fight. Yeah. And damn near not looking great. Right. Like, you almost couldn't be a re- average quarterback against Georgia because it just wouldn't work. Like, you have to be elite.
0: Now, see, this is the thing. And it's just a sneak peek into the matchups because I think we're going to see Georgia-Alabama again. So the challenge for Bryce now is going up against that defense without Mechie. Right? And Georgia having the ability to double Jameson. Okay, let's take Jameson out of the game, and we go man to man on these youngsters. And force I don't know
1: the because they try to double Jameson. He caught a touchdown on them. Remember they threw the goal. Yeah, ball. He
0: split him on the on the deep route.
1: And it's like Georgia's deep. The secondary look like they were just running around with chickens with their head cut off. So I'm like, they ain't even look like. I don't know they they did not look prepared on that back end. Yeah, but so maybe that's just because they never had to be. They, they front seven was just so good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. So, when you think about it, when they play again, that's going to be the challenge for Bryce. Can he have this? If Bryce goes ahead and does the same thing with younger receivers, man, look, put that dude in the league right now. Like, yeah, I don't even want him to come back because I don't even want him the chance of getting injured like two just. Let's send that dude to the league. Yeah. Sit out a year. Because that's all That's all I need to see from a young man. And you that's know, the type of quarterback you need to beat elite teams. Kate McNamara is not about to beat Alabama. No. Desmond Ritter is not about <laughs> yeah. to beat Alabama. No. It's not happening. It's a wonderful story for yeah. Jim Harbaugh. It was nice that they snuck Hutchison up there in the Heisman room. Yeah. Right? Snuck through the
1: back door, by the way.
0: Wonderful story for Luke Fickle, Cincinnati, the Bearcats. Big win in Notre Dame. Cool. They're not beating Alabama with Desmond Ritter. No. You're not. You need an elite quarterback. If you want to win, look, Tommy Reese is on the clock. He knows. We had a question in the chat earlier. You can really get into – someone asks, should we be making a harder push for Nico, you know, considering that Dante Moore might not come to Notre Dame. You can talk about that. My whole point is, before you talk about it, time and reason on the clock to get one of these dudes.
1: Yeah, you got to figure out something, and you need one, if not both. Yes. Because the thing is, his whole career at Notre Dame is based on who you got at quarterback. It's not even about the plays anymore, because we know with the right quarterback them plays gonna look right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, he is on the clock of finding guys, and Keaton Slovis is not the right direction to start. So, right now his roster is full of a Drew Pine, a, a Brandon Clark, a Tyler Buckner, Jack. That's not an impressive track list already, Tommy. We need we need some splashes and some. And some, and some and some screen poppers that that are justify why we end up hiring you at twenty nine years old, at office
0: coordinator. Okay, here's a question. You can get at this. Is Logan Diggs a screen popper?
1: He can be. I think he has the size to be a bigger Kyron. I don't know what his hands is like just yet, but I like his in between the tackles, and he's more physical than Kyron in my opinion. So he could take a little bit more of a beating. But he's got some potential. I think with the running backs in general, they're a screen popper in their own way. But as a collective group, like a running back by committee, they're screen popping. So you mix in some thunder and lightning, and then you bring in a guy like Jaden Price. Somebody's either leaving, because <laughs> there ain't no footballs on the field for all that talent.
0: Man. <laughs> Who are our who are who are our current screen poppers on offense?
1: I wouldn't call Michael Mayer a screen popper only because borderline. I don't, I don't. I, he's borderline, but we don't, we don't ever get it to him enough to where he's being a Gronk in the game. Where he's just taking over the game. You know, nothing they can do can stop him. Double team, triple team. He's out there getting right.
0: Zo, so, Zo is Zo is the first Lorenzo Styles is.
1: Yeah, that's a screen popper because yeah. he catches it, and it looks like y'all fast forward in the tape because he's moving even on even on routes where you see, but like as soon as the ball snaps, he gets off the ball. You're like, oh, he's gonna be open. I don't know where he's going, but he got off the ball right. So when you think of screen poppers, Lorenzo Styles is a guy that comes to mind. Um. I think Braden Lindsey can be a screen popper if he gets into the right position, because he can fly by guys on reverses. I always think of the one he had against what, USC a couple years ago. Yeah, took it for about sixty yards. That's a screen popping play, so there's potential there. But other than that, we got a, a bunch of good talent. You know, we got a bunch of good guys, which has been our problem. We don't have guys. In in high pressure situations where it's good on good, where we got difference makers like other teams will have, you know, Mm -hmm. like a Jalen Waddle is a screen
0: popper,
1: popper, popper, popper. So if we played an Alabama team when they had Jalen Waddle, we just don't have a Jalen Waddle. We got good guys to get down the field with, but we do not have a Jalen Waddle. Should
0: the NFL change its three year college draft eligibility? There are so many players skipping bowl games, and I think we'll see more Jadavian Clowney sit going forward.
1: I don't think so because not that many guys are getting drafted in the
0: first round,
1: and there's not too many guys like Jadavion. <laughs> no. So, you know, I think that's just been a trend. I think guys that like a Kyle Hamilton deserve to sit out, a guy like Kyron in this situation deserves to sit out because he already got thousands of carries on his body. He's he's done everything he's needed to do for the school. So that's a little different. But then again, it's a guy's choice. You know, who cares? I think we talked about a guy like Avery Davis. We wouldn't mind a guy like Avery Davis sitting out if he chose to in a game like this because a guy like Lorenzo Styles could pop and, and really take his career off for a younger guy in this situation. So yeah, I don't think there's more guys sitting out than not. But I do think if you're a top ten pick bona fide, you should have that right. Or if you're a guy that's tweetering injury, you're trying to really, really avoid injury because you're injury prone, then you have a good reason to sit out as
0: well. This goes back, I'm gonna put up this question and somebody else had a question. That was a little bit longer, pretty much along the same lines. D Rock Iris says simple question, tough answer. Do we need a quarterback coach only or continue with the OC quarterback coach with Reeves? And someone uh, earlier in the chat was talking about how many uh, coaches are going to be involved. I can tell you this Marcus Freeman is going to have positional coaches and he's going to delegate certain things as far as linebacker coach outside linebacker, inside linebacker, meaning the staff is going to be more diversified, and you're going to have more staff under Marcus Freeman than there was under Brian Keller. I can
1: yeah, just I think that would be a great direction.
0: How it, develops. it
1: would be a great direction to at least have um, some more buffer around Tommy, and I think for him to be still a young OC in his career himself, Take more time to be an OC instead of the one man show. I think that'd be better for a clear mind. I think it'd be helpful for building relationships with potential quarterback recruits when it's two of us. Yeah. Um, especially for the guys that are already on the roster, if they need help on a technical standpoint that Tommy may not be able to talk to him about, that can help yeah. them be successful in the play. We even understanding the plays because he Tommy's breaking it down to the whole team I think that's the benefit where a quarterback coach can come in and provide some relief and some and not to overstep the OC but to develop the talent that he's continually expecting a lot out of when they get out on the field and then even for recruits you know to see that development and see there's a guy behind the guy. Helping him understand and be ready for when he does get his chance. So I think there's a a great opportunity for that to exist. And I think it'll make the offense flow a lot better and it'll be a lot more production coming out of that room instead of the frustrating hit or misses we have sometimes.
0: And I think, you know, one of the things I would like to see on the staff moving forward is NFL representation. I you know, guys that have coached those particular positions in the NFL and we talked about it. So if you guys missed it, go to the archives and look at our biting styles, uh, biting styles episode where we talked about how Nick Saban established the coaching staff. And it was heavily with NFL representation, you know, guys that knew how to get players to the NFL could teach on the college level. NFL technique and give them an advantage and that's something that I would like to see in Notre Dame I would like to see an NFL what a guy at wide receiver coach that's coach NFL wide receivers. I'm talking about all pro NFL wide receivers that can say look I coached him. He's been to the Pro Bowl eight times he's going to the Hall of Fame bring him to Notre Dame let him give that technique and that experience to wide receivers and let him be able to go out and make that pitch to young wide receivers that are being recruited as well. Like, this is my resume. You come to Notre Dame, I'm going to develop you just like I developed this guy in the NFL. I I definitely want to see NFL representation on the staff moving forward. And I think someone that's coached quarterbacks in the NFL will be perfect to go alongside Tommy Reese to be able to develop these young quarterbacks that you get into the quarterback room at Notre Dame.
1: Man, I think that's a great point, especially if you look at what's transpired over this recruiting season and how much an NFL player can impact recruiting. I really don't believe Travis Hunter went to Jackson State because he liked Jackson
0: State.
1: No. No. (laughs) I 100% believe that the NFL influence from one of the greatest guys to do it at his position was the de facto reason why he went there. And I think that just proves that if we can take that same NFL example and put it at Notre Dame, maybe we get Peyton Manning for a season. I guarantee you we would get every recruit out there. So that's a slam dunk uh, recruiting pitch to get a guy. I mean, you got prime. I mean, it's hard to – no recruiting coach in college football can out-recruit a guy, Deion Sanders, who – I mean, how you going to do that? There's nothing Wait. you can offer – you got, you can offer the kid.
0: So you got somebody at, sitting at Alabama before Nick Saban walks into the living room. Bill O'Brien walks into the living room and says, I developed Deshaun Watson. So if you come to Alabama, I'm going to develop you the same way I developed Deshaun Watson. It's
1: a slam dunk. It's a it's slam, a slam dunk. dunk.
0: And Nick Saban so, hasn't wow. even made a call.
1: And that's, and that's why it, it comes down to, you know, guys going to the right fit. You know, I doubt that these, most of these guys are not going because they fall in love with the the economics course at the school or because they see a huge uh, alumni fundraising event that happens every year. They they really go because of the benefit of what the football career can provide. And that's just really the missing piece for Notre Dame. Give, give Notre Dame something of, of value to the NFL aspect where guys feel like if I go here, it's a lot, Mm -hmm. not just because it's a a premium private school that plays on national television, but because they got Peyton Manning as a quarterback coach. So I know if I'm going there, (laughs) I know I got a a future that's almost guaranteed sort of like how the Nick Saban does. Nick Saban tell you straight up, we're going to win. We're going to win championships. You're going to get to the league. He can say that. Yeah. I mean that's a short conversation that that churns out a lot of results because kids know that to be true. So yep. outside of the four for 40, that touch of an NFL presence and a lot in a in a bigger sense will give us the recruits we're looking for.
0: Absolutely. P dub, I need you to clarify a bad example on that one. I don't know which one you're talking about. Uh let's see. <laughs> Uh I don't think that's gonna happen. But uh Michael Wright said it seems like Tommy relates to the average above average low floor guys of the high ceiling guys never seen to be super hype about him. Thoughts.
1: We already said he recruit guys that play and look like him. So I mean, what? I think if anything, what he'll come to find out is that. When that game's on the line, you're going to need some difference makers that may or may not look like you.
0: Yeah. Oh, Bill O'Brien, I, I mean, it's not a bad example. That's on his resume. Bill yeah, O'Brien
1: disagree yeah. about.
0: Well, well, I hope you're not saying Deshaun Watson isn't a good quarterback. I, I hope that's not what you're saying. Because if you're saying that, regardless of what you think about him off the field, i care less. That dude threw for almost 5,000 yards with trash at wide receiver in the NFL. So we stopped that? I hope yeah, that's not what he saying. Down. Okay. He said no. <laughs> I was about to say, wait a minute. Look, Bill O'Brien had him his first two years, won a playoff game with the kid, got fired, and really didn't get fired. He didn't like the way that the ownership was building around. They were trading away the best players, and he didn't like it. the way they were getting rid of players when they had one of the best developing young quarterbacks. And he walked away. And if that wasn't the situation, he would have been there with Deshaun Watson for his historical season. So he very much has something to do with the, with the development of Deshaun Watson. I'm not about to sit here and say, no, you can't give him that. He had the young man for the first two years of his NFL career. He was the GM, but ultimately he was being overridden by Nick, uh, not Nick Cesario, but the guy that they brought in from New England was trumping him in decisions, and that's why he didn't have full control. Yes, I'm the GM, but you keep trumping my decisions as GM, man, no, here, I I, I want to get out of here. The whole, he didn't want to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, like, are are you, like, the moves they were making, getting rid of the left tackle. Like all the moves. Absolutely. So as a GM, you have to go to the owner and a guy that over-president of football operations and say, man, will you spend this check? Will you spend this money to keep this guy? I want to keep this guy. And when you get pushback from the owner and his guys, as the GM, you're handcuffed. So that was the situation with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien got a raw deal. He got a raw deal in that situation because he got a lot of blame for a lot of situations that he had no control over from a financial standpoint. It's like, man, if I can't spend, man, I'm shopping for you, but you give me a limited budget. That's true. That affects the way I can shop. I can't go to Rodeo Drive if you don't give me a black card. You give me a black card, I can go to Rodeo Drive. Yep. You give me a car with a 2000 dollars limit, man. I gotta go to Melrose. You gotta go to Melrose. I gotta go to Melrose to <laughs> a couple of thrift stores. That's flat out. You know, and that was the situation. So Bill O'Brien got a raw, he got a raw deal. He got a raw deal. Bill O'Brien knows how he knows how to talk offense, build offense, and develop quarterbacks. Period. And it goes beyond his time in Houston. It goes back to New England. It goes back to his time before that. Bill O'Brien knows what he's doing. If he didn't, Nick Saban wouldn't hire, wouldn't have hired. That's the crazy thing. Like Brian Dable was thought of as the same way questionable hire. Went to Alabama, successful. Now he's in Buffalo, successful. Yeah. Like people think, man. Look, if Nick Nick Saban hires you, you're intelligent because he wants people around him that can think the game on his level or even greater. That's right. So think it not strange that, you know, people thought, well, is the offense going to take a step back with Bill O'Brien being the OC now in Alabama? No. Alabama
1: ain't take a step back in
0: how long. Even if you don't, I'm sorry. Even if you don't want to give him credit for Deshaun Watson, what about Bryce and Mac Jones? Yeah. You got to give him credit for Mac and Bryce. You don't have to give him credit for Deshaun. But who's who's coaching Bryce?
1: And doing a good job. Got a Heisman winner out of Bryce.
0: So even if he walks in, if he walks in the living room and never mentions Deshaun Watson. He could tell the recruit. Did you see Bryce Young this past year?
1: Yeah, this past year. I did that recently.
0: Yeah. And you see him this past year? That's is, you know, that's crazy. Yo, who was this idiot talking crazy in the chat, man?
1: Yeah, I've seen that.
0: Man. Man, look. That that's, that's just my. I think he got a raw deal and uh, hopefully he overcomes that and is able to get uh, his respect back. Let's go, bro. Petty petty, petty junction. It's time to get
1: petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is
0: today's Petty Historic? Petticoat <laughs> Junction. Yo, Petticoat Junction. eating am And uh, to all you sports fans out there, all you college football, NFL fans, I want to apologize to you for the ineptitude that was put on display last night on Monday Night Football from Soldier Field. (laughs) I want to throw the entire coaching staff and offensive side of the ball for the Chicago Bears on the petty train. Five trips inside the 20-yard line in the red zone. A total of three points. Ryan Day can't, can't, get, here. Ryan Day can't get here fast enough. <laughs> and I'm so glad that the NFL instituted a new rule that you can start looking for coaches and interviewing coaches two weeks before the season ends now. Let's get the process going. Oh, yeah. Send the P.J. down to Columbus. <laughs> See, this is twofold for me. I'm being petty. You can throw me up because I'm being petty. Because I need him to come to Chicago, right? So that Tony Alfred so is free. <laughs> so that Brian Hartman. So Ryan, you're,
1: signing, you're signing on Ryan Day already.
0: Man, I need the Bears ownership to make this happen fast. Give him the blank check. Do us a favor here in Notre Dame. Do us a favor. Do us a solid. Man, dude, that that was the worst. Five times inside the 23 points?
1: It looked like it was hard to do. Oh, man. What's up with your boys, man?
0: Man. Look, and everybody can get it. Justin, everybody can get it. Not knowing to throw the ball away on a screen pass. If it's not there, just throw it at the feet of the of the running back. Throw a purpose pass. Can't get both feet down in the end zone. Jimmy Graham dropping passes in the end zone. And and also, the NFL is petty because the line was seven and a half. The Bears score on the last play, and according to NFL rules, when the extra point has no bearing on the outcome of the game,
1: you can't kick it.
0: You don't have to kick it. Is that the referee's discretion? That's a big point, man. A lot of people lost money on that extra point not being kicked. A lot of angry people in the world this morning. NFL is petty with that rule. It doesn't do. What does it take? Another 10 seconds? To line up and kick the extra point,
1: but they did that. Had to be because of Vegas. Because that, I mean, you are gonna let you? That's like continuation rule. If I get fouled, you know, and I continue with the bucket, you count the bucket. You gotta count that extra point,
0: man. No, oh, this is a good question. Uh, would Tony and Brian follow day to Chicago?
1: If that check was talking right,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean that's a good question. And they wouldn't oh.
1: ha- and Tony Offer wouldn't have to recruit. Hell
0: yeah, I know you Eli- like <laughs> NFL check and won't have to recruit. I think I think the Bears I think the Notre Dame running back room is more attractive than the Bears running back room. I'm going to be I'm a keep Oh, it for out. sure. I'm for sure. For block. sure. No, oh, like for it, sure. Wait, we're, we're, yeah. If he's looking at checks, hey
1: The only thing you get with Notre Dame is security, because we're going to be there for a minute.
0: (laughs) And Brian Hartline would definitely choose his boy over Ryan Day. I'll just put that out in the atmosphere. I don't know. Would you choose your boy over a check? That's a darn good question, bro.
1: It depends.
0: How far does loyalty go? Would you really choose your boy over a check? Cause you would you would have to discuss that with the with the significant other like man I understand the check is much better but this is my boy I really want to support my boy
1: it just depends on what it is because my boy should be supportive if the number's
0: right enough but what if your boy could get close enough to that number
1: what do you think coach Kelly thought he said, "I'm getting that bag." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we found out that Coach Kelly was trying to get that bag in the middle of the season.
1: Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, he was like, listen."
0: He was like, "Man, any more money? Is there some more money in the coffers?" Just he straight. up. gotta the-
1: send that collection plate around a couple more times. No, went to
0: Jack Swarbrick and that cat Jack told him, "Nah, it's not happening, bro." He
1: said, "That collection plate has ran dry. That's
0: the, the cup the last- dry." That's the last re-up you get.
1: <laughs> it's the last supper for you, buddy. The last
0: re-up. Last. You're not about, I'm not your prop Joe anymore, dude. Oh, no. The last re-up. Can't oh, man. This is crazy, bro. I mean, and, and dude, Justin Fields is almost through for like 300 yards at a quarterback rating of like 98.2 or something like that. I think they held Minnesota to like 180 total yards, and the Bears had almost 400 yards of total offense and just found a way to get a game away. Just found the way. Omar Austin said, how big of a check are we talking about? All right, Omar, let's throw another about it. Let's say uh, the Bears are offering Tony Alford 2.5. Three, three million, to be the running back coach in the NFL, and like Malik said, no recruiting, practices, film work, go to the crib.
1: It's real smooth. It ain't even as tough as college is.
0: And then Marcus Freeman's like, "Yo, I can give you two point one. 000. I can give you two point one expenses. No PJ. Nice little penthouse." On Eddie Street, okay. For your crib, you know, just sweeten the deal, or Brian, or yeah. So there you go, there you go, Omar. What do you think about that? It's only like a million dollar difference. That's that sounds crazy. I man, delete that because that's a big difference. A million. I can't say a big only difference. million dollars. Is, see, don't, is,
1: don't let people sleep on that. That's a huge right. difference. That's, That's a huge difference.
0: difference. It's not like we're talking about like a couple of thousand. A million no. is a huge difference. <laughs> a and I gotta I gotta come back at you yesterday. And man, I might put this up for the poll and see what LL Nation, because you said, man, we gotta simplify things and you know. You got the milk. Notre Dame is the milk. It's always going to be there. We got to get chocolate chip cookies. We got to stop looking for these other off-brands. Just go yep. ahead and get the chocolate chip cookie. Right?
1: You got to because
0: I'm a, all I'm these see, other... Bro, I'm an oatmeal raisin guy, though, bro. I felt <laughs> offended. I felt offended.
1: We would get... classes.
0: You lost the sound right
1: there. We said we just talking classic. We need the commercial style, like the ones you see on that. The, that the that people know. Okay. Not too many okay. people. Not too many people. You gonna get some sour faces if you talk about oatmeal raisin because not everybody rocking with the raisin.
0: Dude, oatmeal raisin the Oak best cookie ever made, bro.
1: Oh man, see, look, the chocolate chips the fan favorite, nah. the people's champ. Nah, see,
0: the oatmeal raisin is like, it is what it is across the board. Chocolate chip, you got to, it depends on who makes it. Huh? Yeah. The
1: consensus is going to give you good reviews. Oh, bro, the Chips Ahoy, thing.
0: Chips Ahoy is trash. Not the
1: Chips Ahoy Thins.
0: See, now, nah, nah, see, that's what I'm saying. It's always <laughs> got to be specific. That's my point. Oatmeal raisin is just oatmeal raisin. With chocolate chip, is like <laughs> that's a, good point. That's Chewing, a good point. right? Or it's got to be Matt's chocolate chip. Or it's gotta be this brand of top of chip. Man, that's my point. That's my point. Okay, oatmeal that's is
1: the one. greatest
0: cookie ever made. This is the greatest cookie ever made. Unless ever. unless you just get your own cookie dough and make them at the crib.
1: See, the only oatmeal I'm eating is the frosted oatmeal. That was the back in the, the day. Archway snacks. joints? Yeah, the archway. The joints. archway
0: is a, that's a beast.
1: The frosted oatmeal. Yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They don't make you went stuff back, like that you went no back more. to You went back to your high school days. They walking home from school, <laughs> stopping at the corner store. I know where your mind went.
1: Yes, yes, those That's are the, the greatest corner cookies corner. of all time. The greatest, the greatest gas station snack of all time.
0: Hey, the Archway, that lemon frosted, Archway.
1: Boy, Girl yeah. yeah. Scout.
0: I'm see most people love that thin mint.
1: I'm not a Thin Man fan. I'd rather go good Samoas. Samoas. You Like Samoa's. I'm
0: not a I am not I can't do coconut.
1: I don't either, but those you don't
0: uh, even, you don't I, even I, know it's I,
1: coconut until somebody tell you. That's all. They told you it was coconut and then you start turning and twisting your face and oh you act like you didn't like it. before you was licking
0: fingers and all types right. of stuff.
1: Right. Oh, so my, I say my, coconut.
0: Omar oh, finally answered and says, see the way my bank account is set up. I can't be leaving 900K on the table unless I'm in an Elston situation.
1: (laughs) I think Elston really went down there and was like, all right, Kelly, I've been your boy for this long. Am I going to be the D coordinator or not? And he was like, no.
0: I'll tell you this, though. And I'm keeping it up. I'm keeping it a buck, Omar. 2.1 in South Bend goes a whole lot further than 3 mil in Chicago. And that's 45
1: minutes up the street.
0: Man, that's man. I'm trying to tell you, living in living in man. You talking about city of Chicago tax included with the Illinois tax on that three meal and the cost of living?
1: Yeah, no chance. No chance.
0: Gavin, I disagree with you, my guy. Respectfully, there are numerous trash oatmeal raisin cookies. I disagree. (laughs) There are numerous trash oatmeal raisin. I disagree. (laughs) I mean, I. there are numerous trash chocolate chip cookies. Fat.
1: That, that hard, mm. chip
0: Ahoy is trash. that
1: hard. is trash. The hard is
0: trash. Trash.
1: <laughs> trash. I think we might have to end on that one because I don't yeah, think we're gonna lose subscribers. You talk about that no, chocolate chip.
0: no, not, no doubt. Chocolate chip is second. It's cool. Chocolate chip is like Clemson right second. now. <laughs>
1: I don't know about that one.
0: There you go. Your boy said they're going to send more Super Chats to us to get you off that phone, get you back on your computer.
1: That's OK. That's OK. We're going to get back. We're going to get back rocking, man. We we,
0: we get that raffle right. We're going to get right. Yeah, the cat Nolan backing me up. Like, man, no, he's not even going to be living in downtown Chicago. If he's coaching for the Bears, he's living up there in Lake Forest.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Lake Forest. Oh, Bay.
0: Go look at the price of homes. And apartments and condos in Lake Forest and get back at it. Hell yeah! Carnivorous lunar activity. The macadamia now. Mrs. Fields has a white chocolate macadamia cookie. It's, Is it's something serious. It's it's pretty fire, bro.
1: If it's not better than Subway's cookie. The white magazine and the Subway.
0: Sub, yo, Subway has about four go tos. I could rock with every cookie at Subway.
1: Oh, for sure. For Chocolate sure. Chocolate
0: chip, peanut butter, oatmeal, raisin, like. And the, in in the, in the, the yeah. white in the
1: white cheesecake, the white raspberry cheesecake.
0: I've yet to try that one.
1: Oh, got to. I don't even like cheesecake, but I like you cheesecake endorse
0: like You endorse that one.
1: I endorse that one, 100%. So
0: I don't know if you've ever, next time, if you're ever in Chicago, I got to take you to Hyde Park. It's this cookie spot called Insomnia Cookies.
1: Oh, yeah. We got one out here. You got one out there? Bro. Those are the unhealthiest
0: cookies you can get, though. You you ain't lying. (laughs) Sugar. I'm like, why y'all make these so greasy? Y'all make the greasiest cookies? Now, that's the most fire... That double chunk chocolate chip is the most fired chocolate chip I've ever had.
1: No, straight up.
0: Ever. But around Easter time, they have an exclusive cookie that is a white lemon chocolate, white chocolate lemon. It only mm. comes out around Easter.
1: I'm gonna have to do that.
0: Yeah. You know what else? When I came to LA, I stayed a week. Um. What's the name has a cookie company? What's the singer's name? That uh, Mariah, Mariah Carey's cookies. Mm. They, they they deliver. She like she doesn't have a spot, no physical location. They deliver on. I think it was on DoorDash. Wow, Mariah Carey cookies. I'm gonna have to try that. The rim, man, soft, very soft. Okay, look yeah. them up.
1: Look, we're going to have to get the uh, subscribers to super chat us up so we can try them on air. <laughs> That's
0: what we're going to do. We're going to do, bam. One day we're going to do chocolate chip trash day, oatmeal raisin trash day.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> three favorite brands of chocolate chip. I'll get my three favorite brands of oatmeal here
1: go, raisin. Here we go, for sure. We're going to we get it right.
0: To the archway, though. I might have to drive. Boston, to the frosty
1: oatmeal cookies. You might have to go. You might go get some. Get you some today.
0: That's what's up. Yeah, Gavin Wright says one in Austin too. Yeah, I'm all. I'm all for insomnia. It's a dope uh, date spot too because they stay open late. That's right.
1: That's they stay right. open
0: late. Dope little. Uh, oh, this is a good question because I asked this question to someone last night. Do you think Harrison Smith is a Hall of Famer? Before you get that, is Harrison Smith a better pro? than he was a college player.
1: I mean, just through longevity, you would have to say so. I mean, Harrison Smith is a bona fide safety that, I mean, just the consistency you have to appreciate. If he can get an Ironman award, he should, because I don't remember a safety – I don't remember them having a, two black safeties ever. outside <laughs> am sorry. <laughs> so he's established himself as a safety that has been – through, through the test of time, yeah. I think without a doubt he's a Hall of Fame, even though he doesn't have the Super Bowl rings. I know the accolades are probably some that a safety probably wouldn't touch in Minnesota history for a long time.
0: Yeah, John A1 says he was a better college player that didn't get the appreciation on either level. No, he gets much love in the NFL. I oh, you sure. How, yeah, cats. Rave. He wouldn't
1: be there if he wasn't getting love, you know. They
0: rave about Harrison. Man, the media loves Harrison Smith.
1: That's right.
0: Loves Harrison Smith. I don't know how we're not using Harrison Smith, you know, on that resume of safeties in the NFL. Yeah, but man, we definitely need that suggestion for you. you need to check out Oh My God Cookies.
1: That's kind of hard. Oh my God. Hey. Hey.
0: That is hard. I'm going to have to check it out online. And I think we have one more suggestion. Oh, John A1 says, yeah, Mariah is our own point. I'm telling you. She's out there in LA, dude. Yeah. Have them delivered. So that's it for today, man. Subscribe. That's it for the
1: day, man. Subscribe. Like.
0: We give you plenty of content. We have former uh, Notre Dame wide receiver. And now, uh, minor league baseball player Tori Hunter <laughs> is going to be joining us this week. Friday, we'll have the giveaway. We'll be giving away—is it a pair of tickets, bro? Uh, let
1: me. My guy got them, so I'm gonna ask if it's one or two.
0: Okay, so we'll we'll give get more information to you, but we'll have a ticket giveaway to the Fiesta Bowl coming up on Friday. Go to anorwhiskey.com. purchase some of that premium um, premium American whiskey. And then take a picture of the receipt or take a picture of the receipt with yourself and get that over to Malik or Lucky Lefty Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. At overtime Malik at SD2 Mics and at Lucky Lefty Pod. Don't forget, the podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts. We drop it over there each and every day. Rex Mike, appreciate you, my brother. Mad love to you as well. Mad love to everybody. And LL Nation, thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. All right, here we go. Here we That's go. That's right. They clean the healthy <laughs> and they clean up the system. That's right.
1: Yeah, right. That's now you're right. telling me to drink prune juice.
0: For my boy, my fam, my partner, the original lucky lefty himself, Malik Zaire. I'm Sean Davis. SD2 Mike's man. Have an incredible, incredible Tuesday. And as always, <laughs> been it different today. We'll see you guys tomorrow.